episode 385 of the FCPA Compliance Report. Today I have with me John Torres. John is the Chief Operating Officer at Guidepost Solutions, and he is here today to visit with me about one of the more significant FCPA enforcement actions in the first half of 2018, and that's the Yahoo SEC enforcement action surrounding its surrounding rather its failure to disclose data breaches in 2014, 15, and 16. This is the first SEC enforcement action on this topic, so that makes it significant in and of itself. But equally importantly, as John and I discussed in the podcast, the SEC cease and desist order, which was agreed to by both parties, really lays out the steps you need to take to not only put together a data protection compliance program in place, but also the steps you should take after a data breach, uh, if you have one, and then what you should do in uh, reporting to the government and remediate going forward. The, it's a fascinating uh, exploration of this topic in the podcast, but both John and I agree that it was really the detail in the order for the compliance practitioner, particularly the data protection compliance practitioner, uh, and certainly under GDPR, that's going to be, become more and more important. That really uh, is one of the things that stands out about this enforcement act. The FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today you are in for a real treat if you are an anti-corruption compliance officer because we're going to talk about data breach and its attendant cousin, data security, with John Torres. John is the Chief Operating Officer and President of Guidepost Solutions. And we're going to take a deep dive into the recent the recent Yahoo SEC um, settlement around Yahoo's data breaches in 2014, 2015, and 2016. So, John, with that introduction, welcome, and I'm glad we could finally get together to talk about what I think is an extraordinarily important uh, SEC enforcement action. It is an, uh, quite an extraordinary uh, enforcement action. It's my pleasure to be here on your show, Tom. So uh, I was uh, wondering if you just might be able to give us, uh, from your perspective, John, a background of why you think this particular enforcement action is so not only so unique, but also so important for literally every compliance practitioner. I, I, there's a couple of reasons why I think it's so important. One is, is that the settlement marks the first time that the SEC has brought an enforcement action against the company's failure to disclose a breach. Basically, what the SEC is saying is that Yahoo violated the federal securities laws. Um, that's one reason. The other reason, though, is as I read through this, um, as I read through the SEC enforcement action, and I've read a number of not just SEC, but a lot of government enforcement actions, and I've helped write some in the past in my former career over at Homeland Security and the Department of Justice. Um, what I found, it was it was very interesting. It was a fascinating read. It, 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 some of them are mundane, very boring, but in this case, it, it kind of read like something out of a John Grisham novel. It felt like uh, you know maybe I was watching or uh, reading a screenplay for a James Bond movie to a certain extent. But really, I think as, as someone who um, is in the compliance industry or also in the security field, that this actually reads as a checklist. Uh, for people to take with them, especially since this is the first time the SEC has taken an action in this arena, that you could use this particular action as a checklist to move forward and, and, and determine whether or not your company is in compliance or, or, or doing the right thing for cybersecurity. 
So, John, we were speaking a little bit before we started recording about the actual background facts, and I think we both agreed that uh, while it may not read exactly like a John Grisham thriller, there are some facts in here that, uh, and the way it reads thematically is, you're right, very different than a typical order, uh, but also really lays out just how uh, large this data breach was for Yahoo. Yeah, we're not talking about a small breach of uh, a few thousand potential records here. Basically, 500 million users' personal, personally identifiable information have been disclosed. And, and, and as you read, not only in the enforcement action, but in, in other accounts of what took place, Yahoo uh, uh, security officials themselves described it as the crown jewels of privacy information that was stolen from Yahoo over the years. So it was, it was a pretty massive data breach here. So there's um, maybe we could just go through some of the, the things that you we both identified as, as particularly important before we get to the, the ultimate obligation that a company has to support this. But uh, so referring to the order, paragraph uh, 14, it really laid out some specific steps that not only the CICO and his team or uh, IT team should take, but also the, the role of senior management. So I was wondering if you could sort of walk us through what's the responsibility of the frontline front uh, uh, team, and then what's the um, responsibility that you see for senior management and, and even legal and compliance around a data breach? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so you have the frontline staff that obviously is uh, – they prepare uh, the, the procedures and protocols to protect the information uh, and, and the private information that a company possesses, whether it's uh, on their own servers or up in the cloud. And their job is to obviously monitor and, and protect the company from being breached. But more importantly, when they are breached or a hacking takes place, um, they have to identify and take immediate steps to stop that and, and, and to discontinue the vulnerability that's out there that allowed them to be hacked in the first place. Well, that's the front line. Is part of their job is to timely disclose that. And what you see here with based on the description in the SEC action, they did disclose that to higher company officials, including uh, some people in their uh, legal counsel department. And what what the action is saying now is that once you, it's not just the front line that needs to take action, but the entire company, including senior management and potentially even some board members, they all have a responsibility to report to act, to disclose to the public in a timely manner um, what is taking place here and what, what is – they have to assess the scope and really define the business impact and the potential legal implications here for, for what has taken place. So I'm going to assume, John, that the, the legal implications, we can leave at least part of that to the lawyers. But in terms of assessing the scope and the business impact, is that something that you would suggest uh, a frontline uh, CICO or CISO, I should say, or his staff uh, uh, lead or be a part of? Or is that really a collaborative effort uh, with more senior management? It's really going to be a collaborative effort with more senior management um, and, and quite potentially maybe even a third outside party, uh, you know, outside third party um, that may be a little bit more objective. Because what you see 
that happened here at Yahoo is you had a number of different levels of management involved in the early stages of this, but they all had uh, reasons to also take, you know, be to, to ensure that one, um, they had to protect their jobs because it was in some instances their job to make sure that this didn't happen, but also they were going through a, a, a major sale of the company. And this is the type of information that if it was made public could have a very detrimental impact to one, the company's value and two, the potential sale. And so, um, yes, it, ultimately, it does need to be part of a collaborative effort with a, a number of different people in, in the company to truly assess what is what the impact is going to be. So, John, could you tell us what uh, your role uh, as the uh, CEO, not so much the COO of Guidepost, but as a third-party expert would be to a company like Yahoo? Where would, would your company and, you, and your expertise fit in to this type of business situation? Sure. So we've been engaged by a number of companies over the years here to come in and do one cybersecurity risk assessments uh, to, to help companies develop procedures, po policies and protocols and to make recommendations um, to ensure that the company is, is continuing to operate um, within the procedures and pro protocols that they've established. At times, they've asked us to come in and, and do some uh, testing to make sure that the, that their defenses are still in place and still updated and modernized. And then quite frankly, when there is a breach that we've been asked to come in and help them uh, identify the risk, mitigate the risk and, and stop that vulnerability that's, that's ongoing that allowed the, the breach to take place in the, in the first place. So John, of course, the reason the SEC got involved was because they deemed it uh, uh, insufficient or they deemed the company's disclosure insufficient uh, and that that would materially, potentially material uh, mislead investors in the public market. Based upon what you have seen as the underlying facts of this case, the, the checklist of items that, that a company should go through uh, one, to determine a breach has happened, and two, going forward to, to notify management and let them make the assessments that we've talked about. Can you really uh, uh, give any guidance on what a company's obligation might be going forward uh, if there is a breach? Sure. So, first of all, if you're a public company, um, it, it's slightly different because you have an obligation to the investors uh, based on the SOX Act, you know, to, to protect the provide the information to protect the invest investors out there. And so the companies are required on a quarterly basis and an annual basis to provide disclosures to include what those potential risk factors are, but not just use boilerplate language from the original anticipated or, or, or potential uh, risk factors that are out there. They want to see actual, the SEC is looking for actual updated risks to include breaches that have taken place or other incidents that could uh, materially harm the company. Um, and so, so it's significantly, there's significant more responsibility for a public, publicly traded company to be on top of the communication of these potential breaches and risks. But absent that, let's say you're not a publicly traded company and you're a private company, you still have an obligation to protect that information um, because as you can see here, obviously with Yahoo, with 500 million users' names being out there, 
their 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 information, their passwords, in some instances their their uh, financial information or 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 even their uh, social security numbers were all hacked. And then later on, Yahoo learned that they, some of them were even being traded on uh, in the on the dark web. Um, it's, it poses a serious threat for their customers um, to have their identity stolen and hacked, and it could uh, seriously impact uh, the financial situations of those who have been uh, 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 had their identity stolen. John, if I could turn to uh, near the end of the order, there's a section entitled Undertakings, and it's a series of statements that Yahoo has undertaken uh, with the commission. Uh, it's uh, generally, if I could characterize it around um, cooperation during the investigation, making documents available, making witnesses available uh, to the extent uh, there'd be ex-employees, try to get them to cooperate. Uh, but the clear theme here is that Yahoo cooperated at some point, whether it came after a subpoena, whether it came after an informal inquiry, or, or, or what the mechanism was that the SEC contacted them, or even self-disclosure. In, in the anti-corruption world, cooperation is a critical element for a company uh, if they want uh, uh, to avoid any criminal sanctions and try to get a, a penalty. Uh, is, is, would you make that same suggestion for a company that's caught up in a situation like uh, this with Yahoo, that cooperation with the regulators is a critical element? Yeah, and sure. I, I would caveat that by saying, obviously, they need to coordinate with their legal counsel first, and that each one of these types of uh, breaches and, and sanctions uh, have to be looked at on an individual basis. But generally speaking, especially having worked in, in the government, uh, for mitigation purposes, especially to mitigate down a fine or to, as you mentioned earlier, avoid criminal prosecution. Because quite frankly, um, you have uh, you have the regulatory orders, which could lead to civil fines, and then you have the criminal conduct and the, under the criminal code that usually accompanies the regulations. Um, the SEC could have easily taken criminal action in, in this case, but because of this section of the order, uh, this title undertakings. It is quite clear that the SEC um, acknowledge and recognize the cooperation of Yahoo and its officials. And while while they did not take criminal action and, and it basically left it open that they could potentially revisit that at some time, um, based on the, the, the cooperation that Yahoo provided, I, I think that went a long way to preventing uh, any potential criminal actions at the same time that the that the $35 million fine was levied. So let's uh, that really gets to the next point I wanted to raise, which is the amount of the fine. Uh, I, uh, I would have to assume that uh, you've had lots of conversations with people about that amount. I have as well. Many people are scratching the heads as to where that number came from. Uh, some people are upset that the numbers they believe is too low. Some believe, well, you know, Yahoo doesn't exist anymore, so this is not just crying over spilled milk. This is crying over milk that's already been consumed. Um, but the uh, uh, $35 million is an amount, I think, that gets people's attentions. Uh, really, any thoughts from your perspective on the whether you think the amount of the fine is at least in a reasonable range? Um, it's in a reasonable range if you look at it from the amount of money that ultimately Yahoo lost. Um, 
in regards to failing to disclose this in the first place when they were uh, in, in the middle of their negotiations with uh, uh, selling this, the, the company. And um, ultimately, they lost $350 million in the sale price over these actions, not including you know uh, the, the, the civil litigation that followed beyond that. But so they lost $350 million off the, uh, right off the price, not including the amount of wealth that uh, got wiped out the next day after that was disclosed on the stock market uh, with, with the, the price of the stock. And so what you're looking at is about 10% off the sale, uh, off the total loss of the sale price. And what I've seen in the past is the government, they certainly want to grab people's attention. Um, they want to acknowledge the cooperation of the company. They want to encourage other companies uh, to cooperate. Um, and sometimes if you go too steep with a fine when a company has been cooperating, then, then you really discourage future companies that may be facing an action like this from cooperating at all. They say, well, why, why should we bother uh, working with the government if they're going to turn around and levy a monster fine against us anyway? And, and lastly, the, the government doesn't want to put companies out of business unless there's some egregious criminal activity and, and a serious public safety risk taking place here. And so I think what they what they were trying to do here is really catch the attention of everyone in the industry and say, hey, this is coming, and there are going to be a lot more if you don't pay attention here. So, John, uh, I probably should say we are recording this on May 24, 2018. Uh, we'll, go, we'll go live sometime after that date, but at least we're recording it before May 25. And the significance of that date, if uh, any listeners are not aware, is that GDPR goes live in the EU on May 25. And so I just found that this enforcement action, obviously coupled with the GDPR live date, I hope will bring a much greater awareness for not a CISO or an IT team, because I would hope they would have been aware, but really for the rest of corporate corporate America, uh, compliance officers, legal uh, department folks, that they need to, to take a look at their policies and procedures, and they need to test those policies and the procedures. And they need to, to bring in a John Torres or a guidepost to, to help them make a risk assessment to see where their vulnerabilities may be, because my fear is that, uh, or if, I, if you accept what James Comey said, that there are two types of companies, those that have had their data breached and those that don't know that, um, the disclosure issue is going to become uh, much more important literally after tomorrow. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. And I, I think the date is certainly of key significance going forward. But uh, um, it, I find it very, very telling that this has become really a C-suite issue. And it's no longer just on the front lines with your CIS so your CISO or your chief security officer or just your IT department. This is something that the, the top floor needs to be engaged with. And, John, even above the top floor, I have uh, done a fair amount of studying about this issue from the GDPR angle. But lots of boards of directors are, are waking up to, uh, to, to understanding that they need to be involved with this. And, unfortunately, many of them are 60-year-old white males where um, IT and data security are not their primary uh, areas of expertise. Are you guys uh, uh, talking to boards? Are you helping them understand not only the obligations under the law, but their obligations as board members to help manage this risk? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, that's a great point. Um, whether you, we're, What the SEC is saying 
effect, in, in effect is that you don't need to hire a cyber expert to be on your board. And not that it's a bad idea, but ultimately you need to engage somebody that has that knowledge and expertise. And so whether it's cyber or whether it's uh, financial compliance or any uh, uh, any of those down the road, um, we've certainly been having conversations with various different boards and, and not just in the U.S., but internationally. And, and it's definitely a different way in to be able for, for consultants and for compliance companies uh, to be engaged. John, uh, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I wanted to ask you the following. Um, I'm certainly aware of Guidepost Solutions uh, from its work in the anti-corruption space, uh, monitorship work, and I think many uh, areas or many practitioners, uh, compliance practitioners are also aware. But obviously, uh, the remit of Guidepost is much broader and Obviously, we've been talking to you about uh, data security. I was wondering if you just might give us a few words about the data security and InfoSec components of Guidepost. Sure. So while we have the uh, ability uh, to do the cyber compliance work and, and help companies from an enterprise-wide level, we certainly do forensic investigations. As you see um, in this particular order, Yahoo engaged a company to come in and do a forensic analysis of, of their data breach. Um, we're, we've been able to do those in the past. We've been able to determine and help companies with uh, international outside hacks as well as taking a look at what we quite often find our uh, internal investigations of uh, either disgruntled employees or, or other types of employees. Um, so we have that ability, um, as well as looking at a number of different uh, uh, security uh, and cyber and slash data protection issues um, across the board. One of the things that we've been engaged on in the past is, is monitorships. And what I didn't mention here is that, uh, you know, if the company doesn't have this expertise and put these protocols in place on the front end, quite frankly, on the back end, they run the risk of being assigned a monitor in one of these settlements. And that comes at the company's expense. And, and quite frankly, you have an outside third party of which the company ends up having to pay for for a lengthy period of time to monitor the activities uh, and ensure that the compliance is taking place. John, this has been a fascinating exploration of what I think was an incredibly important SEC order. Obviously, the, anytime you have the first one, it's, it's going to be important. Everyone is aware of the Yahoo data breach. Uh, tomorrow, I think the world changes when GDPR goes live, and I hope people will uh, take a, uh, take up your advice and, uh, <clears throat> if not call you guys directly, certainly get in touch with you uh, some other way. So I wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me. My pleasure, Tom. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and help get the word out about the still oldest continuous podcast in compliance. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you'll join me again next week where I explore another issue on FCPA Compliance and Ethics. This is Tom Fox. The FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.